And then I told them, do you know who he is? That guy's Mike, one of three hosts of Banter Banter. And so I picked up our bags and drug you, even though it seemed like you were doing better in the conversation to get the service we needed, and took us right back to the corner of nostalgia and reality. Those jerks. Should have known to give me better service, even though I did not proclaim who I was. Do they not know what a parasocial relationship is? Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Do I know who you is? You must not know who I am. I'm the corner of nostalgia and reality, also known as the Juggernaut. Bitch! Oh, wait, the Juggernaut is one of those? I'm the Juggernaut, bitch. Charles, get out of my brain! Oh my god, Charles, it hurts. What do I have for us today? That's a tough bit of a pickle. Is that a tough cookie to crank? So this topic goes a little sideways from what we were talking about last time. We were trying to find and define what is the happy place and how does one get there. Yeah. Once somebody figures that out, they will make a lot of money if capitalism is still around. <laughs> yes, bottle that. Turn it into a pill. Charge $58 a pill. Question mark, question mark, profit. Just put the lightning in the bottle, and then everybody gets one shot at being their best, and then they die. Lightning in a bottle. Yeah. It could kill you. Isn't that what Christina Aguilera's song was? I'm lightning in a bottle, baby. I went up and get electrocuted. Yes. Yes. That's that, exactly how it went. Pretty sure that was her hit single. <laughs> Isn't it the wrestling ring entry theme for Spider-Man's nemesis, Shocker? <laughs> Not to be confused with the Shocker. That's kind of lewd. We won't go into that one. Yes, that is his entry theme music <laughs> when he's in the wwe fighting against spider-man yeah in a cage match no holds bar with vince mcmahon as the referee so you know this thing is fucked it's already shady who paid who off you know shocker paid off vince <laughs> maybe it was sheer threat of death let me win or i will electrocute you because we both know Spider-Man has no intention of murdering me. Game on. Who do you think is going to do what? Spider-Man murder? Me murder. Mm. I'm going to lean towards me murder you. Meme murder. Yeah. It'll be vicious. Vince McMahon will look like he's sitting behind a wooden desk telling Spider-Man, I mean Peter Parker, that he doesn't care about the photos. And that Spider-Man is a menace to this city. <laughs> I'm not trying to follow that up. You did good. <laughs> yeah, got me. So, why did you bring us back to this corner for a fantastic chat? Well, kind of building on last time's discussion where we brought up examples of office propaganda from the 1990s. Finding that escapism. I kind of noticed that a lot of it, as I've brought up with some of our other discussions about the environment and everything else, 
is they sort of inform the culture at the time. These films wouldn't be as popular as they were if they weren't going on about something that was relatable. And I feel that's what the Three Office movies had to do. And I feel that, in a way, that's what a lot of the other examples we brought up about finding a happy place are about. And again, to kind of go a little left field on that, I think we can look into the kind of stuff that is important to most of us and how it sort of seems inadvertent that media makes that, especially when you're talking about I'll give an example. We've brought this one up before, but Wally at the time, it had themes and concerns about pollution and the way that we are treating this bright blue marble floating through space. That's been a thing that has sort of captured the preoccupation of not just people from our generation, but from before that. Another example I could bring up is the X-Men franchise and how its underlying message of prejudice was something that was originally created during a large upswing in civil rights protesting in the U.S. Yeah, we've got a lot of movies from a lot of different decades that are sharing a conversation with what's happening at that time. I'm going to present two movies here for you, but first, this one goes out to both of these movies. (sighs) Grip it and rip it. Because both of you are old enough to drink. And those two movies are Judge Dredd from 1995, starring our main man, Stallone, and then... In our country, we pronounce it Stalin. (laughs) Stalin. Planet of the Apes, back in 1968, is the original, and not necessarily the reboots, but it's a conversation about our planet, and how things can turn out. And how they can turn sideways. Or 45 degrees in the ground, like the Statue of Liberty. Damn you, dirty apes! They blew it up. They blowed it up, and then they conquered humanity. Which is what we rightfully deserve sometimes. Am I too harsh on our species? Maybe. I think it's fair to be critical. You don't really love something unless you're willing to levy criticism against it. To tell everybody, including myself, that we're all stupid and we need to stop. Yes. We need to stop buying iPhones and instead buy this other brand of phone because that's what the other company told us to do. Buy stocks. Instead of buying the phone, buy stocks. Prepare for your future when money doesn't matter anymore. That's what I not want. I need that. Wait, but if money doesn't matter anymore, won't the stocks be worthless? Perfect. Fabulous idea. I love it. Let's action this. What cryptocurrency should I invest in next? My cryptocurrency, where you give me food and resources that are not pieces of paper with ink on them. Or weird metal objects with people's faces stamped on them. It's a new sensation, the MyCoin. I will take shipping containers, canned goods, canning supplies, fresh fruits and vegetables. Can-cans. Fuel, whether methane. Fire. 
That which he desires. Yes. Also Venus. Because I'm your Venus, I'm your fire. What you desire. (laughs) Was I not on the same wavelength? Did I fail the Manny joke test? Where were we going with this? Dystopian conversations? Movies about environmental and economic dystopias? Yes, you were bringing two. I brought two. Judge Dredd and Planet of the Apes. But I did also mention Idiocracy because I think that's a solid, straightforward conversation about the possible outcome of our future if we focus on how America has been slowly whittling away resources from public education. I guess it sort of goes in a lot of directions. Let's try and peel back the layers of this, but something you could add to the Planet of the Apes one was, I think that was still during an era where everyone was still terrified of a sudden and unexpected nuclear exchange, which would kind of leave the world to the apes to take over. At least that's what I interpreted the ending to the Planet of the Apes. I am not so certain that he was cursing the ape civilization, rather than he realized what humanity had done and why the apes were there. I could see that. It has been a very long time since I've watched that movie or any of the remakes, so I'm going off of a quick internet snapshot. When you look at the 60s, what I got as a quick snippet from the History Channel, History.com, the 1960s was one of the most tumultuous and divisive decades in world history. The era was marked by civil rights movements, the Vietnam War, anti-war protests, counterculture movements, political assassinations, and the emerging generation gap. I guess every 50 years, huh? Yeah, it seems to be like a little bit of a clockwork in that civil unrest scenario. History does not repeat itself, but man, can it rhyme. It sure can. But I think a lot of the things happening were probably conversation points being brought up in some fashion, even if discreet, in Planet of the Apes. I'm pretty sure there is some harsh conversation about the civil rights movement if you were to take time to dissect the movie and analyze words and phrases that might have been acceptable back then with connotations hidden behind them due to the culture at the time, especially in the South. But that's speculation. Meanwhile, we do have Judge Dredd, where I would say the main theme I caught from it that's one of those Warnings and concerns, aside from the weird law enforcement thing, which I think maybe it was propagandizing a bit, but something that definitely stood out was the heavy commercialization. This is the film that does the product placement with Taco Bell, right? Oh man, you know, it's been a hot minute, so I do not know. I would honestly say the last time I saw it was in the theaters. But it did have some totalitarian conversations in the sense that the police force got to make the decisions. I mistakenly mix it up with Demolition Man. That's the one that has the Taco Bell cross-promotion. I can see the confusion because 
Stallone for both of them. And that was during his hot time when I would say he was very prominent in lots of movies at a consistent rate. Judge Dredd, a comic book adaptation, by the way. How interesting. In case we ever revisit that. I would definitely flag that as a thing to talk about because currently we've got several video game adaptation movies out for release shortly or already on the market. Would definitely like to dig into some of that conversation between comic book and video game movie adapts. Oh yeah, like the upcoming Angry Birds? There isn't an upcoming Angry Birds. Yeah, the first two were crap. Were they bird crap? From a shit bird? Be like cottage cheese, because bird crap is like a solid and a liquid all at the same time. So yeah, it was cottage cheese. Yeah, it would be a cottage industry. Making little houses and then shitting in them. <laughs> Isn't that what the rich do with real estate nowadays? <laughs> yeah, we usually call them slum lords. We also do have idiocracy that you had brought up. Man, that's the unpacking. It makes a more literal one to one. And I've heard arguments kind of bringing a counter to how it points out a problem, but then it also gives you the wrong answer in trying to facilitate what could solve these problems. And I guess to summarize it, the problem with it is that it seems to stop at just blaming dumb people as towards what the woes of society are rather than going into the larger issues that are probably more reasonable to assume, and that's greedy people. And at least as far as our future is concerned, greedy people who have put a lot of time and effort and money into making sure that the people that they swindle money out of stay uninformed. But in this version... With idiocracy, it seems that it is one and the same, and so the dumb people rule everything. I would agree it is missing that one percenter attitude that proliferates a lot of society across the globe. It definitely presents its moral on kind of a college grade level, I would say, but I don't mean academic college, but like... This was a good college-age movie for myself. It was amusing. It presented the illusion of depth. And what it offers is still valid. Again, just taking as a given that maybe it doesn't provide any solutions or proper direction. It does point out some good social issues that I feel are still relevant today. I would say predominantly in how hard consumerist culture can take a grasp in for now. Is just an exaggeration in this storyline, but that seems to be what I take from it because the consumerist nature always searching for the next hit of serotonin. Ow, my balls. That's the kind of stuff that gets President Camacho elected. I would agree that the movie takes some quick hits at a variety of different things, while the longer theme is commercialism. I would toss out that there's a conversation, at least 
specific to the United States about public education funding, because that's how you create an uneducated populace. But also you might need to add in the forces that are creating that scenario to begin with, but sidestep that piece that's missing. You also have a conversation about, I guess, almost a joke slash a partial reality to socialized healthcare or government control with people having the tattoos on their arms to get access to things. And then the overwhelming capitalism consumer process where Carl's Jr. is making social healthcare choices about mother who can't pay food because she doesn't have money, so we're taking your kid. I think it sort of becomes one of those circular issues where I think in corporate interests, breeding loyal consumers at heart and getting cheap labor from them, that in turn gives them the financial capital to influence government. Yeah. Who also has a vested interest in a loyal base to follow them. Yep. That makes it easier if they are uninformed, but they also make policy. So it facilitates them specifically to make sure that education isn't really a priority, which makes them easier to inform or more reactive for that matter. For sure. In combination with the lower income levels, it makes them more ready to accept that sort of information. And you see this sort of in the way that Brondo owns everything, it seems. Yeah, you use Brondo to grow plants because it's got electrolytes. It's what plants crave. I'm sorry, my sports beverage drink shouldn't be fighting to get a market share on watering plants. (laughs) Come on, guys. (laughs) But you've lost that knowledge, which was intentional in losing it so the corporation could make money. Then in turn... The combination of the two keep a population, like I said, that becomes easier to steer. And in that case, you can keep them, A, consuming, so it feeds the capitalist endeavors, while also keeping them easy to move into picking the elected leaders that corporate interests would prefer. This conversation is just making me think about a show I've recently started watching, and the person that is the host is doing a unique job of presenting a different version of the historical moment she's talking about. And one of them is about the 50s and consumerism. And she goes, so people started getting jobs and watching commercials that made them want to buy things. And they needed money to buy that. So they went back to work, the thing they hate, so that they could go home and watch commercials, and buy things, which made them have to go back to work, where they hate it, to make money to buy things. And I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. I feel like you're right, and it sort of describes the narrator back in Fight Club that we were talking about a couple of episodes ago. Oh, yeah. Where he himself admitted that his entire life was to define himself by Ikea furniture. So it was by the stuff that he purchased. (laughs) You know, I mostly forgot that part of the movie. Yeah, it kind of moves on. It only drops a mention about it one more time. But that sort of goes back to the phone call he has with the police officer while he's in Tyler's house on Paper Street is while trying to put on that facade to the officer that he is just as into this consumerist routine. And 
legitimately it's more because he's trying to feign like he cares that he lost his apartment despite the fact that at the time he doesn't he reiterates how he lost everything how he lost him in that explosion of whatever his little condo apartment was i lost every piece of ikea furniture that crinkle schnurzen door hanger and the floffum which was a fantastic couch I do not know any of the names of objects in Ikea. I just know that they're words I don't recognize. They're all in Swedish. And that makes sense. Being a Swedish company, I shouldn't expect less of them. Tying this one forward to idiocracy, the whole thing is loaded with brands. I'm sure some of them are definitely product placement or part of a brand deal. Even tying back last episode, Going to Happy Gilmore, brands are okay in comedies to be treated a little weird or a little funny. Yeah. So I definitely think it may have been on purpose whenever you had the giant Costco with one of my favorite indications of BS jobs is the greeter. (laughs) Welcome to Costco. I love you. And the fact that Costco was gigantic, which is definitely a mirror image and exaggeration of a regular Costco. Yeah, it was pretty much the size of a city, wasn't it? Basically, there was like a train that got you around from one section to the next. I would toss in the circle the joke about Starbucks because it's both a rebranding conversation that we've seen several companies do over our lifetimes, as well as the proliferation of a company name. Because at the time, not to say that Starbucks is not as hype as it is now, but when Idiocracy came out, Starbucks was definitely riding that upward roller coaster. It was just chugging along, getting everybody on board. To the moon. Send it to the moon. This goes beyond into other particular subjects like, you know, the type of ethnicity that is the enemy in films. It's interesting to see, let's say, a property like Iron Man go full circle, where when Iron Man as a comic was originally published, Tony Stark was being held captive by what were vaguely russian people as that part of the cold war adjacent propaganda we had going on at the time and then when they modernized it for the marvel studios film before disney bought them we had updated it to an ethnicity that during its time was more okay in the u.s to villainize where suddenly they're being held up somewhere in the middle east yeah and you could argue that that's just to update the settings but it does pin a specific racial group and i know i'm about to quote another movie where in the movie thank you for smoking rob lowe in a conversation makes a comment about focusing on getting cigarette placement in a movie says we need to get it out of the hands of your standard villain your rav Your Russian, Arab, or villain, generic bad guy. Russians and Arabs seem to be, in American culture, the current, and in, I would say, the past 
15, 20, maybe 50 years, those cultures are socially acceptable to pick on as the bad guy. You almost think that maybe it's got something to do with them being on the other side of the globe. I think part of the deal that makes that the classic go-to is that distance that they are from American audiences, especially anyone who isn't particularly well-traveled, because this goes back to that education argument, but it's a lot easier to be told and have a stereotype built about a person, and particularly a culture, that you may never get to visit. I would totally agree. I would add into that mix, those two areas have a distinctly different social culture than the United States which adds into the ability to use them because they are an other, not fitting into our view of what a society should function as. It's easier to villainize them because distance, and we don't know your culture because of lack of education. Also, if you notice, it tends to flow similarly whenever they try to make villains out of the cultures, or in the case of the second Black Panther film, where you have the Atlanteans and Namor, they're very much based off of a Mesoamerican, Aztec, Mayan type culture. And it's interesting how those types of characterizations as villains tend to never stick around as hard or be accepted as openly as it is for the cultures that are further away from us in the globe. I would pose that part of it, as you've mentioned, is distance and lack of cultural knowledge, lack of that base understanding. But because those cultures are closer and we do see some of that migration at least focusing on the conversation as the United States. We see South America culture inside the United States a lot more in comparison to, say, Russian culture or anyone in the Middle East, whether it's the Arab Emirates, Iraq, or Egypt, that whole area. We don't see that as much. Going back to another topic that we talked about a few episodes ago, One of the advantages to modern technology is that we're getting to converse with and interact with people from much further away, despite the issues that are brought up with the labor monetary exploitation of outsourcing labor. It does make us interact with a culture that is by far very far away from us. The businesses that we do with China so much work being exported out to India. Hopefully as a blessing to us and a curse to that type of corporate exploitation of workers that we will get to better understand each other and ultimately maybe they'll start advocating for better pay and treatment and it'll become less comfortable for these businesses to behave the way they are just to save a few bucks. I totally agree. And although I'm not necessarily a Marxist, there was a good statement. The power is in the labor force. We control the whole thing. Why are we letting other people make riches off of our hard work? Ladies and gentlemen, 
thanks for stopping by the corner of Nostalgia and Reality, where we got a pretty interesting look at how media seems to sing us a tune, despite the fact that everything we talked about is a large studio production. I have a question for you, audience. Do you think these corporations know this when they fund these films? And let's say if they do, do they do it because they're okay with it or because they think that it's harmless and won't move or build towards anything? Listeners, I would only ask this afternoon, whenever you're getting a chance to listen to this, to just take a moment and focus on yourself. And remember, you are your best advocate. And the only way you're going to get paid more is to advocate for yourself. So don't hold back. You're amazing. You crush it every day. It's not you who is lazy. It is the CEOs. There is no way they do hundreds of times more work than you. So, as per usual, be sure to like and subscribe and rate us. That's how we get around. I know there's lots of pollen going around. So, if you feel like you need to wear one, slap on a mask, especially if you're interacting with a lot of people. Yeah, helps keep it out of your respiratory stuff, helps keep you from getting sick. And if you're already sick, you may as well keep it on. But either way, it's always good advice to not touch weird outside surfaces and then get that all over your face. You may as well just kiss the doorknob. And please don't kiss the doorknob. But also, go wash your hands. Cleanliness is next to some imaginary creature in the sky. Keep up to date with your vaxes. I mean, this isn't even necessarily a COVID thing anymore. Please don't bring back polio or the Black Plague. And I know it is getting to that season where the sun is extremely hot. But don't let it set you on fire. Follow us on our social media, Facebook at Banter BanterCast, Twitter at Banter underscore cast. You can find me at Mike8Time on the Twits. You can find me on Twitter at 8BitWizard. The 8 is Roman numerical. Or you can find me, your boy Manny, at BrogarCRE. This year's art was provided to us by Valeria on Instagram at Valerian underscore root. Link in the description down below. Show us some love and support. Our intro and outro theme are Caravan Bowser by Flexstyle and XPRT Novice. And you can find them over at Overclock Remix. Give it a listen, yo.